0: So I actually, I don't know if you saw this, I kind of went through and before we like talk about our two songs from each album, I have like a little write up that we can kind of discuss that way. It'll give a little bit of context to uh, our picks.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that. I saw it.
0: I wasn't sure. I left that like little Dills info about Gore in the notes and I was like, fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna say because like I did some research, but not enough to like feel like an expert. There's
1: there's there's no amount of research you can do on this band to become an expert in like a week. There's there's so much deep lore that goes into (laughs) Guava. It's ridiculous, dude. Because I was I was noticed that when I was taking my notes this morning, I was like, I feel like I need to explain this song, but there's no way I can do it adequately (laughs) without someone having been a super fan and knowing all this information already. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I can get why you can just like get wrapped up in it because there is just never ending amount of shit.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy how much there is. We might we might have to move Ben back up. He's the only one doing emails still. I'm
0: impressed he got it in because I checked this morning I was like, "Damn, it's not in there." Who <laughs> oh, Ben? Yeah.
1: Ben had his in an, a while ago, didn't he? Not the email. Not that I saw. Oh well, he's the only one that did it anyway. So, yeah, the only contrib- con- contributor. No, he sent. He said it. To, he sent it two days ago. The email.
0: Yeah. Oh, see, so you opened it, and I didn't even get a notification yeah, for it.
1: That's okay. my bad.
0: No, you're good. Um. All right. Benji's back to number three. Way to go, Ben. Good he for
1: it's been, it's, been, it's been a long year and a half. <laughs>
0: Clawing his way back.
1: Um. All right. How do we even enter I was, this? I mean, I'll do it. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're back from our hiatus, and we decided to do something a little special. We're calling it Scumdog September. And if you don't know what that means, well, let's just get into it. Let's. <laughs> God, we suck. Yeah.
0: So yeah, Scumdog September, Kev.
1: We back. Yep. We, we back.
0: How do you feel? I feel like a million bucks.
1: I feel good, but I also feel podcast rusty.
0: Yeah, we're about to knock the rust <laughs> off um, yeah. with Scumdog September, which is GWAR. It's just a month of Gore.
1: Yep. GWAR, this comes from, I think, I don't know, it was like a month ago. You sent me... Uh, Oh, you sent me a picture of you watching the Guar documentary on Shutter called "This Is Guar," and I was like, "Oh shit, we have because we, we weren't even really talking about them." And then we both watched it around the same time, or like this, this we like I knew a lot about Guar, but I didn't know all that about him And so it sent me on a deep dive while you were on vacation, which kind of answers one of your questions coming up here. Um, and I was like, "Let's just do Scumdog September and just really dive into this fucking awesome band that we've been talking about for." The entire run of the show and just give them their proper due and you know
0: yeah it, it was such an exciting way to come back because it it's almost exactly how the beatles document or the beatles uh beetle mania january started was like i started watching a documentary about them it piqued my interest and i was like you know what i think it's time we like just get into it and you doing your deep dive and kind of narrating it as you're going through it was so much fun for me because like I'm like, oh, man, now I got to get into it. Now I got to. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, we watched that. Uh, this is Gore on Shudder. And it was super insightful. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. And it had me jazzed up to do this. So Gwar has been around for 30 something years. There's so many albums. So this week we kind of decided to cover the quote unquote the early years so we're covering five albums and we're each picking five songs, one from each album.
1: Yep. And, uh, and now go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, we, we decided to split it. We were we just we couldn't really decide on the format we wanted to do for this. Uh, we were gonna just do um just straight up albums. We or each of us picks an album, but with 14, 13, 14 studio albums, didn't feel like we were gonna get enough coverage on the band. Uh, especially with a band with as much extended lore as this, this is—I mean, this is MCU levels of extended lore. Really, like, like Star Trek, Star Wars extended universe levels of lore. It's, it's
0: almost like we decided to do like uh, Batman comics and be like, yeah, you know it, what? Start with the '30s and then we'll make our way to current. Like, it's just impossible. <laughs> it's so daunting.
1: It's, yeah, it's impossible to pick just four albums. And then we talked about maybe just doing like more like lore dumps slash a couple songs from an album and I, that didn't really sit well with me because again it didn't feel comprehensive so we decided to break it up into eras like arbitrarily just picks by certain timelines um and so this first one was just kind of what we called their early years so when they were you know it's basically just covered five albums it was an, it was a nice slice to kind of go with
0: yeah, and it's covering uh, the years 1988 to 1995, so mm-hmm. we're going to be discussing Hello from 1988, uh, their debut album, Scum Dogs in the Universe, America Must Be Destroyed, This Toilet Earth, and Ragnarok. Uh, yes, sir.
1: Some great album names. So <laughs> yeah, before, great album covers, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't think there's a bad one.
1: Um, no. Let's
0: talk about, before we get into all this, because... This is all very exciting, and usually we just jump right in. Since we did take a month off, I wanted to cover some few, a few things. Um, Kev, we know yes. you've been doing your deep dive of Gore, but, but what else have you been doing this month off?
1: uh well, a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> um, it's just just I've been you know trying to focus on work, get uh, get that in order. Um, there's no real good video games out right now. Um, that I want to play, so I've been just kind of floundering around with what to play. I started like a really complicated uh, Nuzlocke run of Sword and Shield, um, so I don't, if, if anybody knows what that means, it's whatever. I'm gonna, I'm trying to figure out how to stream it through my my Switch because it's it's really hard, um, but it's it's it'll be fun because I just imposed a bunch of unnecessary rules on myself for it. Uh, so that's what I'm focused on currently. Is I just bought the the card capture. So I can do all this shit and actually become a legit streamer. <laughs> Hell yeah! I pro- I'll probably record it too and maybe post them on YouTube. I don't know. Uh, after I do some editing and cutting and stuff. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a part of that that text, but I, didn't, yeah. I, I'm not a Pokemon guy, so I don't understand everything. But I was still yeah. getting hyped up
1: well I, I started a separate group chat on discord so we didn't have to annoy you with it. <laughs> it's not annoying i want to uh, well,
0: I, I would have fomo not knowing even though i don't understand sure. i still want to know
1: <laughs> sure well i'm gonna i'm gonna start a stream so uh, anybody can watch it and, awesome. and enjoy um but yeah that's that's really all i've been doing man just uh trying to figure out this thing called life yeah and doing my doing my Gwar deep dive listening to some other cool music um Getting back into polyphia, I mean, I've been again. I've been a huge. I've been diving into funk a whole lot. Like it's all my release radar is just fucking funk. It's it's crazy, and that's P H O N K for those of you that don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought you were just it's saying bas- funk weird. Yeah, um yeah. I I spent so so much time without my phone this past month. It's felt really good. It felt like a a true like uh, mental reset. So I had a lot of fun going on my trip and. I'm really just excited to be back and um we're doing some like house renovations and stuff so Zoe has been painting while I was at work and we're doing a lot of stuff in the living room and it just makes it feel I don't know I'm really excited. Bought a lot of cool stuff um like antique stuff that I'm gonna be hanging up um as you know my house kind of looks or my living room kind of looks like an old um An old speakeasy with like weird old people photos. And when I saw my grandma the other day, she she gave me my great grandparents wedding photo, her wedding photo, my parents wedding photo. So mixed in with all these weird wedding photos I've purchased at antique malls. I have like family members mixed in now. That's
1: cool. That's cool. Yeah, I did I did a lot of missing you too. Yeah, I missed you too, <laughs> we, man. We talked, but not as much as we usually do. So uh yeah, it sucked. It's yeah, all right. It's levers my, reconnecting. <laughs> you guys get to hear it.
0: Um so <laughs> there's also a little thing I wanted to talk about. Uh Highway Sniper, which uh we covered almost this time last year, mm-hmm. released an EP and they featured Kevin twice. So, Kev, I got to know, what is it like living in Highway Sniper's head rent-free?
1: Uh, I don't know. It feels good, but it also, they made me look kind of stupid on one of the intros where it's, that's uh, it, the intro to this song is me going, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun. I'm not, it's, I don't know. It's cool to be featured on a song. For oh, sure. man. I, I, it,
0: to do it twice. I was so jealous. Yeah. I was like,
1: what the fuck? This is my podcast too, bitch. <laughs> I say dumb yeah, shit the, all the time. I was the one talking shit about this band specifically. So, of course, a hardcore band is going to love somebody talking shit about them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was their wet dream to, to have a recording of somebody talking shit about their album. Mm-hmm. So
0: especially like kind of getting their ethos too. like, I mean, even when they quote tweeted us and was like, check them out. Um, these guys love the word. Uh, what was the word we used? Uh, Nihilistic. Not yeah, nihilistic. They're like they love the word nihilistic, which we do, but they also that's pretty much their ethos. So
1: yeah, they're they're nihilists, so it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, there was only I, ten, I,
0: ten minutes worth of songs of we're gonna come up with the words.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, at least their band is nihilistic. I don't know anything about the dudes, but yeah. Uh...
0: But yeah, that I i had to make sure I mentioned that because uh it was a treat and it happened like right as we took our break. I was like,
1: damn it. yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I would, uh, I, I, I demand a free t-shirt from them. That's all I know. Yeah. We'll, logo we'll swap is, tees. Yeah. Their logo is sick. So, uh, that's another thing. If we want to get that off the top, we do have some exciting things coming. We got a brand new logo if you, if you noticed. And then we have some, uh, a really, really awesome like merch logo that's been made for us. And we'll, we'll unveil that as soon as I get like all the teespring stuff figured out and stuff like that. And we can actually put them on sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to do like a little mini photo shoot and kind of, um, release it all all at once Uh, it's very hard to not want to show everyone but um, because it's not something we normally do it's just something um, that kind of came up in the spring and I thought would be really fun because uh, we love our band tees we love like the metal logo and um, getting to do that with our podcast logo was kind of a dream come true and we really appreciate our friend Aaron hooking us up with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, Erin Powell does great work. She said she'd be more than happy to do any more logos for us that we wanted. So, and she did a great job. She really she spent a lot of time on it, um and it really shows. It's it's a sick sick fucking logo.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be doing t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, literally anything you can imagine um and we're going to be doing like very limited things um when it comes to like uh, memorabilia and stuff like that because we're collectors, so um we're going to spread the love as well. Yep. So, Let's get into Scumdog September's Kev. I'm Start, glad we covered yeah, all to... that. It felt good to get yeah. all the, uh, you know, the uh, housekeeping out of the way.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: So our audience, our first audience submission and only from our third member, who's been recently promoted, uh, Benjamin. His mm-hmm. audience submission is the Salamanizer from 1990 Scumdog of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked his pick. I. I, he was texting me that like, uh, he was bummed that I pick a, f- picked a few of the ones that he wanted. And I think scum dogs of the universe m- is going to be the one we gush about the most maybe, but uh, yeah. it, it is the easiest to find a, all, I think 13 songs. I think it's the easiest to find a song that you're like, this is something I can get behind.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, let me read his email real quick. Um, so Ben writes and titles his email, this is your ass and I'm in it, which is again a lyric from the song. Uh, man, guar, guar for the win. Glad Kevin invited me along to a deep dive because it's been long overdue. I doubt I can contribute more than what you guys will say about the magic guar on this episode. So I just let the wild reality that this <laughs> humble, uh, hold on, that this humble little track called the Salamonizer exists, speak for itself. It kicks a lot of and It's hilarious to boot. If my subject line tells you anything, this deli tray is unacceptable. Benjamin arungus Columbus, Ohio.
0: That's high praise for himself, calling himself Benjamin arungus (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it, Uh, was yeah, it was exciting to kind of get a little toe dip into Scum Dogs of the Universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then then uh, this, I was very very close to picking this song because I fucking love this song. It's so good. It just the guitars are so awesome. It's 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 honestly it is my favorite song from this album even though I really like sick of you as well which is my pick for later Uh, a little spoiler alert there Um, but this song has been on heavy repeat since I started doing my um, deep dive. I fucking love this album and I love this song so great great pick Ben. I'm glad Salamanizer made it on the the playlist for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah and and there's a lot of stuff that got left on the cutting room floor. Um, It's we picked eleven tracks from, I think a bank of like, what fifty, maybe, uh-huh. maybe more, probably more. But yeah, it's um, I don't know, it's it's, it's hard to uh, pick from that big of a, a pool. But we're also gonna include in this playlist just all the tracks from all the albums from this era. So we'll have our little like select playlist. Um, and then we'll have the the big big playlist. If you're if yeah. what we talk about and what we cover kind of piques your interest and you want to listen to all the guar from this era, we, we'll have that included as well. Yep. So let's talk about the first album era, which is Hello, which mm-hmm. is their debut album. Um, I picked techno song, which is the song we're going to cover first, and then you picked um, you picked S- Slut City. Yes, I did. So I wanted to talk about each album before we kind of pick talk about our songs from them. so yeah, for sure um, hello from 1988 uh, the album is a divisive point among fans of the band who generally love it or hate it. Hello is the least frequently played album in concert discussed or discussed by the band in interviews. Although this could be because the band's lineup has changed to the point where no one from the band has remained a constant member of the band. Um, Which is a reminder that Michael Bishop, um, was he a a part of the band at this point?
1: He was the original Beefcake the Mighty, yeah. He was the the bassist. Okay.
0: So he's the only one that was really a part of this anymore. We're going to talk about Dave Brockie and a a bunch. But um, yeah, he's no longer a part of this band or this earth so <laughs> uh michael yeah. bishop uh rejoined in 2014 as the frontman. so uh occasionally the band will play a medley of these songs from the album which i think is always really fun you want to fan serve but also you don't want to spend three minutes doing so so it's fun to just include all the songs in a medley um yeah the song the medley can range from anywhere from three to twelve songs which is more than half the album um a lot. There's a lot of criticism about the, the albums like Raw Production, which I kind of find endearing. I know yeah, you are all about production value, but especially first albums, you kind of want them to be a little rough around the edges.
1: Well, um, 80s punk, '80s punk, it has to sound this way. So. Exactly.
0: Um, Chuck Varga, who played the executioner, posted on the Gore fan page, Bohab Central, that he was so disgusted with the sound quality of the recording that he walked out of the session after hearing a few tracks. He said, I know the band's music, and it sounded much better than the, than it did in Hello. He said, going on to say that producer Mark Kramer didn't care how gore sounded and gave us one of the most embarrassing recorded LPs in history. So if that gives you any indication, there's still some bad blood about how this was recorded. I get it. I mean, it's not like the budget was huge for the band at the time, so right. you get what you pay for, kind of, and... uh the low quality of the production is further indicated by the length of the recording session. They recorded this shit in one weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, it's it's 16 songs and the whole album is, what, 33 minutes long? <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's wild. It is.
0: And uh, I, I think that's part of, like, the... There's certain eras that we're going to cover, and it's kind of drastic. Uh, but this is definitely, like, the punk era for sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, so my first song is techno from uh, hello and what's not to love about a song that comes out of the gate sounding like a combination of cakes the distance with like the spoken word kind of like yeah. with the bass going in the background and it kind of sounds like an intergalactic like wwe preamble speech like he's just talking shit and yeah uh, he's definitely like coming for odor Serungus. Um, and it's equal parts like ridiculous and hilarious. So if this is your first exposure, this is awesome because it's like, I don't really understand what's going on here, but it's, it's fucking funny. And he can out fight out, fuck out uh, fart any of you, lame ass motherfucking rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Such a, such a like childish thing to say, but I also thought it was so funny. Um, and the Pucoplex, I would love to see that in real life. I, I know this isn't an album that gets played, but the Pucoplex would be something very cool to see or to even watch. Um, and it sounds like the dopest thing ever. Let's make it happen. Odorous versus techno forever, which is kind of just the band's core. You know, yeah. the, the two guys that created Gore are fighting in this song. And that's kind of how it was in real life. Cause life imitates art. And just knowing that the guy that was behind the music and the guy that was behind all the lore kind of like at, at odds makes it even better art
1: yeah yeah um they talk about this in the documentary too hunter jackson who plays techno destructo uh originally created he's the original creator of the scum dogs of the universe it was a movie concept he had uh where these intergalactic aliens come to earth to conquer it but then they get distracted by rock and roll and drugs and women and so they they form a rock band and then david brocky who was living in the same little art collective area that uh, Hunter Jackson was kind of like, Hey, well, my band can just be the band. And that's how GWAR was formed. Uh, So yes, the original idea for the scum dogs was Hunter Jackson's, but GWAR became something so much bigger than that original concept. And uh, he never really got over that. And so anytime techno is, is the, The vocalist on a song he basically used it as an excuse to just tell what his true feelings were about his his role in the the um creation process of the band and it's it's so on the nose it's it's like how could you not know what was going on behind the scenes it was so there's the guar will serve the master or guar will die i mean that's exactly how hunter felt throughout the entire time he was with Guar, and it's it's that comes through really it really comes through throughout the, the entire um, documentary.
0: Yeah, it with that context, it makes it seem like a a fucking child that like is like, well, this is my ball, and I'll take it, and I'll go home. But yeah, in the context of the song, it just kind of sounds like a, a showdown, like a WWE yeah. a- alien showdown, and it's fucking cool.
1: Yeah, which is cool because I mean, Guar and all their live shows always has some sort of like bad guy that they're fighting, whether it be. Uh, Techno, Cardinal Sin, Gorgor, um, the Penguins. It's like, th- so this makes a whole lot more sense in their, their live their live show as well, which it's just performance art. And, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it, I don't know. It, 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 it makes a whole lot more sense when you can see Techno swinging his big stupid fist and really slowly, and you can see Odorus swinging his big stupid sword really slowly at each other. I think they make their fights intentionally really slow just to make them look goofy. Um, plus those costumes probably weigh a ton, but it's a—it's uh, just really fun. It's a simple punk track um, with like basically the broadcast of the fight over top of it. And then with before, like after uh, Hunter Jackson, Techno Destructo does his whole like WWE cutting a promo thing in the beginning like you were talking about. So it's fun. It's cool. It's, it's great. It's, it's a great deep lore cut for sure.
0: Did you like did you like the comparison of the distance by cake?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes sense. I had to think about it for a second, and I was like, oh yeah, I get it it's 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 just uh you know this the spoken word element of it over top of just like a very simple bed mm-hmm. but it, it it makes it really kind of it gives it kind of like a cool vibe essentially yeah
0: it it almost seemed like like a hip hop infused song, so fun, yeah, fun, fun, yep. fun
1: uh yeah so my first pick off of uh, hello uh, again from 1988 was Slut man city and i believe this is the last track on the album or one of the last tracks i could be wrong i don't remember uh but this song i picked this because this this song establishes guar's love for group vocals in their choruses which is one of my always been one of my favorite parts of guar uh and the rawness of the recording again like i said this is how it doesn't bother me because this is how punk in the 80s should sound and i feel like this is how guar in the 80s should sound you know what i mean i mean this may have been a remaster at, at some point um it doesn't say that it's been remastered uh but to me it doesn't sound that horrible i mean, you know it's just it just sounds like punk from the 80s yeah. <laughs> so it, it sounds like a raw demo which is what it was so uh you know it's it's juvenile and disgusting but it's that's what Guar is. They're, they're great musicians, but they didn't want to be too good because they really were at this point all about the, the uh, art collective and the stage show and the performance art. Uh, but they couldn't help it. Their music is still just good because they are, they can't help themselves. Like artists are going to good, great artists are going to make great art, whether they want to or not. It's like their bad day is a lot of people's best days. So I don't know. It's, it's great. It's, it, that's exactly how I feel about Guar too, is like, that's why they're so good because they didn't I don't want to say they didn't care about the music, but it wasn't the number one priority and but the music is still fucking awesome anyway. So you get that little extra added something on top of awesome music.
0: Yeah, it's it's very similar to Metalocalypse, where it's like the the music was the backdrop and now it's at the forefront, uh kind of thing. So I I really do appreciate like being able to hear the early stuff where it was like We'll just slap this together. That way, we have something to play at shows, and people can listen along to. And then, the longer it goes on, the more they like find their identity and their their voice more than just the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is very heavily influenced by the Misfits. Um, yeah, I, I think that's why you picked it. It's fun to it's hear. Not, like,
1: it's not. It's it's not. But I do hear the what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and I, I, it's it's fun to hear gore when they were kind of showing their influences, even though they have all these characters and this big, deep lore, you can still hear what they were listening to and what they were wanting to play. And I, I think if you and I were to create a band, our influences would show on our first album as well, just because yeah. you hear it and you want to kind of recreate it and put your own spin on it. And then as time goes on, you kind of find your your own voice so i always love the first album because it is a chance to kind of hear where they're coming from and what they were listening to um, when they made the band and it's just shock rock at it this song particularly is just shock rock at its finest and i really like the raw sound because we're just little punk boys at heart so we don't mind a little uh lapse in production value
1: right Right. Again, uh, it would be great if this had better production quality, but it again it fits kind of the the aesthetic of the time, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So.
0: So, getting into
1: the second album. Yep.
0: Scundogs of the Universe from nineteen. The
1: namesake, the namesake of this uh, this month, this whole damn thing,
0: man. This yeah, <laughs> the whole fucking reason we're here is because of yep. this album, and it's to date Gore's best selling album. Uh, This album is viewed by many of Gore's fans, as well as Gore themselves, as their ultimate masterpiece. The band plays more songs from Scum Dogs than any other album. Uh, Sick of You is the most frequently song played in concert, and generally the grand finale. This is the first Gore album on which more than two people sing lead. Uh, Hello had Odor Sorongas and Techno Destructo, obviously, and... um, slot rama features Sleazy P. Martini, Executioner sings his namesake song, and the album CD-exclusive close um, Closer, Cool Place to Park, debuts uh, bassist Beefcake the Mighty as a vocalist. All other songs featured Odorous Orungus.
1: Yep. And that's one of my favorite things about Guar too, is like, from this point on, they always have a bunch of, like, it's not always Brocky's vocal, and it's I think that's really cool. They get a lot of their band members, the other band members, involved in the vocals, which is not something you typically see from a lot of bands. It's usually the lead singer, and that's it. So,
0: yeah, there's there's just so many capable people.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, it really is.
0: Uh, you want to go with your song first?
1: Sure. Uh, so sick of you we already talked about it uh this is this is probably their most popular song as you know you just pointed out by it's their most played song in concert uh and with good reason it's funny it's loud it's gross and it fucking kicks ass it it this is guar this if you want to introduce somebody to guar play them sick of you it has the exact kind of vocals that i love from david brocky it has the exact kind of like really good chorus like they, they always have great choruses uh it's anthemic um but it's also goofy and weird and gross it's just it's it, this is guar in a nutshell uh so um yeah and when i saw them in concert uh in 2019 for new year's eve they opened with this actually and i think they knew like this is this is something that everybody can get into everybody knows this song and it fucking brought the house down dude like it, it wasn't brocky it was um blothar at this point so the the vocals didn't quite hit the same but he still put on a great fucking performance and everybody was singing along everybody was doing the sick of yo it's just such a great fucking chorus to sing along and you know who hasn't been sick of somebody right yeah um yeah and i just- i think
0: a song that they traditionally play is like a grand finale starting out with that that way, no one's like waiting for it all night. That's so. Mm-hmm. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, and they were they were still touring their their new stuff with Belothar. Like they had this. They, they were you know that their first one with him came out in 2017. So they were still touring that new album. So that I think they wanted to play a lot of that. Like they they played "Fuck This Place" right after that, uh, or a couple songs after that. And so people were getting into it. So they wanted. To, I think they wanted to play some of the hits first before they got into the new album stuff, which is totally fine. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's really good, and um, it's it's one of the ones that I ha- that I play the most because it does it showcases what I love about Brocky's description or uh, depiction of Odorous too. His he has one of the most unique vocals I think of all time because it's like menacing and like tough. But it's also really goofy at times too, and he can like do. He can sing really well. Like his clean vocals are good, but he when he does his growls, his growl is so unique, and I've never heard anything like it before. And I think that that's why it was really hard for me to kind of get into Guar again after Brocky died because he was just he was Guar for me. Like he, like he's the reason I fell in love with Guar was his just super unique voice. So uh, in this song, he, you get a lot of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. I get what you're saying. Like, he is creepy, but still approachable. It's almost yeah. like horror in the 80s and where it's like these people are killing people, but they're also people you're kind of rooting for, like Jason and Mike Myers and Freddy Krueger. Like, a, after, like, a few movies, you feel like you know them and you're, like, familiar with them. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's, – it's an interesting uh, – thing because odorous is a guy who pillages and rapes and does a lot of weird stuff but still you find yourself like going to see him in concerts so that you can see his little fish wiener um (laughs) the cuttlefish uh yeah, I, I can imagine this being like a song that a 6th, 7th, 8th grader hears and it just impacts them for life. It's kind of like um, me with the Beastie Boys or Blink-182, just like hearing it and it being so inappropriate and you being like, I am such a bad boy for listening to this song, but it's still kind of petulant like a child and it's mm-hmm. it's endearing for that. Like, um, It's exactly what a, a young kid needs to be like an anthem for the first time. He gets mad at another kid or gets mad at his... Seventh grade girlfriend. I don't know. It's it's a perfect like anthem for for a young kid in adolescence. I don't think that was their yeah. target audience, but it. I can see someone like you or me hearing this and be, it being very formative at a, at a young age.
1: Yeah, I mean, Guar was very formative to my sense of humor for sure. I mean, my password and like uh, username for things forever was prickfish from the uh, slaves going single album and it's just like they they really i don't know it's it i turned out okay so yeah this kind of this kind of proves that uh it's more about how you're raised versus the shit you're exposed to. <laughs> exactly
0: yeah and i think that's their i think i like them so much because they remind me a lot of like blank and mm-hmm. no effects and all those like fun punk bands like they had the same like this might be shocking to you, but it's nothing to me and it's stupid, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think it's intentional that it is so over the top because then it becomes, you, it becomes so obvious that it's satire. At least it should be obvious that it's satire, that nobody can really be like, Oh, well now I want to go out and rape and kill and murder and destroy the earth and smoke crack and whatever the fuck they talk about in their yeah. songs. Cause it's like, it's so over the top that you have to know it's a joke. And if you don't, you're an idiot. Yeah. So,
0: which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, yeah. My second pick from, or, yeah, my second pick from Scum Dogs of the Universe is Vlad the Impaler. And let me just say that bass is meaty. Yes, sir. Um, what's, what's the bassist's name?
1: Uh, Michael. Fuck, I don't know if he's, he didn't, he didn't leave the band yet. Yeah. Shit, I always forget his name. Uh, Michael Bishop.
0: Michael Bishop. Irregardless, Michael brings the heat in this song. Um, And I picked it because it's got whoa, and it's the catchiest song I've heard from them to date while I was doing my like listens through. And I get why this album is their most popular because it's got a really cool instrumental break, it's got a fucking awesome chorus that makes everyone want to sing along. Uh, if if you don't know the words, you start hearing Vlad, Vlad, Vlad the Impaler. When I was pulling everything (laughs) up, you've heard me say like mumbling that under my breath. I can't, I can't help it. Um, the instrumental break is fucking awesome, and it shows these guys aren't just weirdos. They fucking rock, and it slowly, slowly just shows itself more and more as the albums go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I talk about the bass as well. It's just super super chunky in here, and I just I love this. It's just there's no, this doesn't really apply to their stage show. It's just them doing like a performative, uh, nonfiction on Vlad the Impaler, which is always cool. I mean, it's very, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. And maybe that's why they talk about Norman Mailer because he's kind of the father of, uh, historical nonfiction or, uh, performative nonfiction. So, um, because I was like, they, they mentioned Norman Mailer and I was like, wasn't he just an uh, an author? I didn't. So I did some research this morning and it's like, he did stab his, his wife with a pen knife because his wife said he wasn't as good as Dostoevsky, which I think is really funny. <laughs> he just got mad because his wife was like poking fun at him, so he stabbed her with a pen knife. Um but yeah, no, I think Norman Mailer is one, it rhymes with Impaler, so that's easy. Um but two, he was he's he was famous for doing exactly what this song is about. So uh but yeah, it's just really fucking awesome punk track. And it's like I don't know, there's just some really cool lines. Do we get a really awesome like double bass breakdown towards uh towards the end of the track and it's i don't know despite their best efforts squar always makes really good music and this song kicks ass like i do, i love the uh <laughs> the lead up to the end of the chorus is could have been a jailer, could have been. It's just naming random like, titles, like uh, job titles that rhyme with Vlad, Vlad the Impaler. It's just, it's so stupid. It's so dumb, man. But it's so, it's so good. You can't help but smile at it and just fucking rock out to it because it is. It's great fucking music under, again, uh, underneath this just really goofy bed. And I think that's the whole charm of Guar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah scum dogs of the universe we didn't spend enough time with it but it is so much fun
1: yeah it's 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 great it's probably my favorite album cover as well um it's right up there with this toilet earth and i don't know some of their later stuff is really good too yeah like uh violence has arrived is a great album cover. they're all great we've already talked about this they're all great uh i mean when you when you form a band around an art collective and art school dropouts from vcu you're gonna have fucking cool album art. yes <laughs> so yes um yeah no Scumdogs the universe is absolutely the album you should start with i think either that or ragnarok the ragnarok is the one i probably listened to most growing up but Scumdogs is definitely a masterpiece
0: up until about a week ago that was what we were going to do for our first week so
1: mm-hmm.
0: it is the one yeah, i spent the true. most time with yeah um america must be destroyed from 1991 it's their third album The lyrical content in America Must Be Destroyed was greatly inspired by Dave Brockie's fight with police officers while touring in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1990. The controversy revolved around Brockie's rubbery penis adornment and ended with his arrest on charges of disseminating obscenity. Brockie was revolted by this attack on his rights, so he created a concept album revolving around an elite morality squad that attacked the members of GWAR and stole Odorous's penile attachment. Uh, which was the cuttlefish of a, <laughs> a phallic hell beast that normally dangles from his crotch. Uh, yeah. And it is still in evidence in Charlotte, North Carolina to this day.
1: <laughs> yeah, they never got the original cuttlefish back, which <laughs> so I think funny. is funny. It's just it's just sitting, there's just this giant, it's not a penis, it's a cuttlefish, but uh, it's just sitting in an evidence locker somewhere. It's That's so funny to me. When they talked about that in the documentary, like, all the guys just kind of giggled about it because it is really funny to think about it's just collecting (laughs) dust.
0: and i think the funniest thing is how upset dave brocky was over it like he wrote a whole like diss album over it and he i think it helped their notoriety but he also like loved he loved the attention but also hated what happened
1: yeah i mean it's an it's an artist being censored i mean just because it offends you doesn't mean you can censor it. And that That's the whole basis of art, I think, is art has to be exactly what the artist wants it to be or else it becomes, you know, or else that, that ruins the whole concept of what art is should be. So um, I, I understand him being upset about it. Like if somebody took something I wrote or took our, our podcast and edited out what they didn't like and then that's how it got disseminated, I'd be pissed. You know what I mean? It's yeah we should be able to do what we want with what we create. And if you don't like it, don't consume it. Essentially. That's the classic argument for art. And I, I agree with it for the, by and large. I mean, it's just, you, you can't, I don't know you can say that about a lot of things. You know, if you have a choice whether to consume something or not, it just because you don't like, it doesn't mean you should keep the people that want it, want that from having it. Right. And the people that create it from creating it. It's just, I don't know. It's the classic morality of art kind of thing so
0: yeah i thought that learning that this whole album was kind of a concept album about that was made me want to revisit it more especially since a lot of the songs on there get fucking metal and this is the first time we really get metal um especially with my pick from 1991's
1: well hold on let me do mine first because mine directly leads into yours okay all right america must be destroyed
0: what's your what's your track
1: my track is cracking the Egg. So uh, this this tells the story. Our two songs tell the story of Gorgor. Uh, your song is Gorgor. Uh, so we this is a straight fucking metal track. It's almost thrashy in a way. And this actually tells the story of Gorgor's time in his egg, uh, which is partially why I picked it, because you picked your song first um and i was like oh cool i might as well you know complete the the birth the whole origin story of Gorgor here um but it's also it just fucking rocks dude this is my favorite song on the album uh just musically but it uh, there's a halftime like so the story of Gorgor is he they found this egg slimenstra Hyman who which is my favorite name in the band by the way uh she's the female uh member uh found the egg was nurturing it and like odorous like this song is odorous being really excited about birthing this whatever this monster is and he gets really impatient so he's like fuck it give this thing some crack and then like (laughs) (laughs) once he once he demands that there's this really cool halftime breakdown where gorgor is being birthed and growing and then as soon as he sees gorgor it goes into double time Uh, so kind of mimicking the excitement of, of Odorous as seeing this new monster he has to control to destroy America with. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's storytelling through music and it's done super well. Even if it is horribly, horribly stupid, (laughs) they gave, they gave a dinosaur crack and it turned into a a giant monster that these, uh, intergalactic space aliens are going to use to destroy America.
0: That's beautiful art. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This song would have be, been a killer addition to metal march through the decades. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of getting into this album, it really shows their transition into being a metal band kind of getting out of that punk phase and getting into metal. And it's kind of cool to like be here, kind of discovering that as we're doing our notes. And as, uh, as at least for me, I, I know you knew all of this, but kind of hearing that drastic difference from scum dogs to this album it's kind of cool to hear it happen in 1991 and they kind of had the components already and to hear it happen in this this album was really fun and knowing this is a lead up to my song kind of you can feel that momentum now that you say that yep um and it kind of bleeds perfectly into Gorgor, uh which is my pick from uh america must be destroyed And I'd been shuffling through a lot of the older albums. I think I talked about how I'd spent a lot of time with Scum Dogs thinking that's what we were going to do. And Mm -hmm. when this came on, when I had all the albums together, I hit Shuffle. And one of the first songs that came on was Gore Gore. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this shit is way more intense and heavier than what I was hearing and what I was used to. I think the songs you'd been showing me were like Meat Sandwich and some stuff from Ragnarok. And none of it was really as hard as this. And this shows their evolution, I think, really well. The tuning of the guitars is different. The gang vocals are heavier and deeper. And everything just like, it felt like the intensity was turned all the way up. And I really love that. And giving their frustration with everything that's going on, I fucking, I love the intensity. And um, I completely get the the intensity and the frustration. And sound-wise, I got a lot of, like, Simpletura and Korn and, like, very um i don't know like different kind of metal because there's even like a little bongo hit, bongo hits halfway through the song that kind of was like oh shit like a simple terror gonna come on here in a second like um <laughs> there were, i don't know there's a lot of really cool elements to this song that just the first time i heard it i was like this is not gore like the gore playlist is over and something else is playing there's no way this is gore
1: yeah yeah, no, it's uh it's interesting you say that because this is like right at the beginning of New Metal. So it's possible that these bands took influence from uh America Must Be Destroyed and Scum Dogs for sure. So um yeah, no, this this track is awesome. It's the uh basically the culmination of this album and the culmination of Phallus and Wonderland, the movie. Um I watched the end of that, uh, where it's the whole battle scene with Gore Gore where he's attacking the city and Ends up betraying the band, so the band has to kill Gorgor at the end. And uh it's just really fucking awesome seeing the music video to go along with it because it makes everything way more intense. Um but yeah, I love it. It's just great. The the Gorgor, it's just fucking really good metal, man. It's uh it, it you're right. It kind of shows like we've done three albums so far, and I don't think we've had a single song that sounds like the other at least from a genre perspective but they all sound uniquely like guar and i think that's magical like they, they do that throughout their entire career it's like yeah they're doing fucking 10 different genres within an album but it all sounds like Guar. it doesn't sound like uh you know they're doing like an acoustic cover that isn't right like fit with them it's just it all sounds like guar and i think that largely comes from the fact that they never had the opportunity to sell out. And so they were just always made music for the sake of the band. And I think having the, the lore to be grounded in kind of kept that sound super unique and it allowed them to do a lot of creative shit within that, that kind of art collective uh, musical scene. So it's, it's literally every
0: rock band's dream is to be popular enough to keep going but not popular enough to be on the radio and sell out like that is (laughs) the epitome of what a rock star wants
1: i mean yeah they all want that but they all also like money i think in the (laughs) in the in the documentary dirk says something like yeah i mean we never really had the opportunity to sell out but if we could have i mean yeah we absolutely probably would have so none of them made a whole lot of money from Guar, but they all i think it's super awesome that there's still a couple of Really long-standing band members still in the band, still making music, even though you know they've gotten some relative fame, more of like a cult following. But they're not making, they're not billion-dollar rock stars, you know. Right. Um, I don't know. I just I love it, man. They, they just how they effort, effortlessly evolve. Um, I think better better production quality, and a sharp left turn into power punk and metal just feels natural for them. Definitely. So it's just. It's it's great. I don't know. I love this fucking song. I love this album because it is the, like their first like true metal album too. Because it is more angry.
0: It was it was definitely the time to do it. Like yeah, given everything that was going on. Yeah. So, let's get into this Toilet Earth from nineteen ninety four.
1: About a three year gap, which is pretty big. Yeah. Um. They've got they've got a lot of those. So they they seem to pump out like two albums in two two years and then they'll take a long hiatus for whatever reason
0: yeah um this toilet earth was released on march 29th 1984 this album was to be one of the oddest and most bittersweet albums it was the first Gore album to be censored uh the second was we kill everything which comes in both censored and uncensored versions and now they became censored due to their gain in popularity as a result of mtv exposure which i think is Mm -hmm. part of like the the give and take of gore was like how they are leads to them not being able to be accepted by a mass audience so they're yeah. going to have that cult following of people that do get it and then there's people that just like if it got too much notoriety they would shut it down um the music and artwork is almost cartoonish when compared to the previous albums and the instrumentation had expanded to include horns like in the opener sadama gogo that reinforces the goofiness uh, an instrumental version of the song Jack the World was also featured in the Beavis and Butthead video game for the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That's so fucking cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember if it was this was in the documentary we watched or it was in one of the supplemental interviews I've watched in the last month or so, but um, Mike Judge really loved Guar, and the Guar was having trouble getting played on MTV because they didn't want to show the costumes and stuff in their videos so the way so Mike Judge kind of did him a huge favor and he had Guar as an artist that he would play in Beavis and Butthead. so he was getting Guar right like video he was getting Guar videos played on MTV even though MTV didn't want him to uh through his own show which i think is super cool like guar is beavis and butthead's favorite band because i think it was mike judge's favorite band too so i think that's that's super dope it's a cool kind of uh symbiotic relationship the two had
0: yeah that that's about the only way they could get really on mass like <laughs> listens or something <laughs> yeah um, for sure so speaking of sadama Gogo, do you want to go first
1: uh sure uh yes i will go first uh I love this fucking song and if you tell me you expected horns and a metal track about space monsters who want to destroy the world worshiping Saddam Hussein I'd call you a liar because (laughs) because nobody expects any of the things that I just said in that sentence um idiots will tell you this is a pro-Saddam track but people who understand satire will understand that Gawar would of course worship an evil man like the 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 concept of Gawar would of course love someone like saddam hussein at this time in the world when you know the first iraq war was happening like of course like odorous would (laughs) love saddam hussein that doesn't mean the band does and it doesn't mean this is a pro saddam track this is 100 percent satire um and that's why i love it because it's perfect satire offends idiots and makes everyone else laugh i think and i think that's exactly what this song does so i mean um they didn't have this even still, even though they were making a point and they were making satire, they didn't have to make this song kick so much ass because it's really embarrassing driving through your apartment complex and yelling, Hail Sadama go go <laughs> and the hordes come in after that because this fucking this this chorus kicks, ass, kicks dude. ass dude. Yeah, and the the lead up to it and they die and they die and they die and they die and they die, hail Sadama, go go. And then you get the the horns come in it's just so fucking good man um nobody expects you to be a hang ba- head to your to funk metal about worshiping saddam hussein
0: <laughs> no it, it really just doesn't come up in your your conscious um i i gotta tell you kev i think this toilet earth is my favorite gore album so far yeah
1: it's a great fucking album, man. It's really fucking good. And
0: I, I, I don't even know. I'm feeling controversial. The horns, the, the then you are, then you are, then you are. Like that shit. I was like, what is he saying? I I gotta learn it because I'm gonna say it all the time now. Yeah. Um, saying it super fast was just so fucking cool. It felt like this was like on the cutting edge of like the early two th- or late nineties, early two thousands, where it was like, God, shit was just seemed so cool back then, and. Maybe I'm just an agent of chaos, but when a band is unhinged, and I think this is probably their most unhinged yet, I love it. Like, yeah, you can't love and not like them when they're most unhinged. That makes no sense. Like, this is the time to love them when they have might have lost the script a little bit, and you're still along for the ride.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I love this album too. I like I like most of their albums, which is rare um like the period we're about to get into next week is a little bit strange but there's still some fucking great shit and all of their stuff um i really do like this 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 is the period of time that i was exposed to the most um like these five albums are the main gore albums i listened to for most of my life and i never really got into them much past like 90 their 99 era with like slaves going single and stuff like that so um this is this is my shit. This is this is my Guar essentially. Yeah. So, um I love all of these albums with a with a burning passion.
0: Hell yeah. Um my song is from This Toilet Earth is Slap You Around.
1: And... I fucking love this song. <laughs> I almost picked this I, mean, I when you picked I saw you picked I was like fuck, I wanted to pick that song. <laughs> it's another song I had picked
0: because I had all the music playing on random and this song came on and I was like what? Like <laughs> yeah. This sounded like Rainbow meets like a demented Huey Lewis.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: yeah. I just love his vocals. They're so different in this song. Yeah. It still has that little like Brocky edge to it because I think he didn't want this song to be too, too, too accessible. And obviously the lyrical content is about like domestic violence. So yeah. it's, it kind of like made, make sure that no one's gonna like love it too much but it sounds so good dude it sounds like just like (laughs) pure rock and roll like how did they do how did they do how could they play this song live when they're like playing punk and metal and then they got this song slap you around there's no occasion that this song could work live
1: no i don't i don't know i would love to hear this live. i I would too
0: i would i want to see them pull it off especially in their big goofy outfits playing like a rock and roll song um, mm-hmm. And I love that any genre they try, they they not only succeed, but you, you think to yourself, like, I would like to hear a full album of this. They're never yeah. going to do it, but I would love it. Um, yeah. And just whatever genre it is, I'm, I'm kind of a believer. And listening this past week really made me be like,
1: oh, shit. Like,
0: whatever I thought gore was, they are more, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the... I think that's why I wanted to do this uh, this month so much is because people will see their costumes and they'll hear like uh, one of their songs. And I'm like, okay, I get what this band is. They're just a joke, but they're really not. They're all incredibly intelligent. And in order to satirize something uh, well, you have to completely understand it. And I think that's why they are so good at all these genres because they are, I think they all know how to play these genres really well so they can satirize them really well as well i just said well a lot uh but uh you know it's a classic rock ditty man it's about domestic abuse and it's completely a satire and he, he he uses hyperbole in this song to show you how stupid domestic violence is and how wrong it is again if you're an idiot, you won't get the satire, but everybody else will understand that it's satire. And I think the using the kind of really accessible, like Steve Miller Band esque type of rock to to display this satire is a genius. Because again, if this was a metal song, you might be like, "Oh, okay, well he actually beats women," but it's not. It's a cl- It's a classic rock song. Um, and you're right about Brocky's vocal in the song. I think he it's it's a rare trait where you can really really hear someone's accent in their in their singing voice i think he and lemmy is one of the ones i can think of where you can really hear their accent and i think that lends, especially when he does like sl- slower stuff like this it makes it really kind of funny then slap 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 you around like it's just it's oh yeah it's just he's got this really cool voice and uh again it could be really menacing but it's just at the the undertone of goofiness is always there and i love it so much um and i, I really love the spoken word at the end that really drives home the the satire because the it's just, he says i don't understand you know what i don't understand no matter how many times i and then he does this whole list of things that he does to her and the last thing he says is i pour molten glass in your rectum you always come back for more <laughs> it's just, it's like, yeah, it's like it's, it's so silly, and it's such a, it's so far out there that you, if you think this isn't satire, you're a fucking moron. So,
0: yeah, love it. Yeah, um love the song. I do too. It's probably, it's my favorite song on. So far, <laughs> I'm gonna just say it. Whatever,
1: That's we're fine. back. we do, we're back. We we established this in like our second episode. You're allowed to ha- You're allowed to change your favorite song multiple times in a day. <laughs>
0: Buckle up, kids! I'm going to tell you my new favorite song every week. Um, Ragnarok from 1995, the last album we're going to discuss today. Um, this album, as well as having a variety of vocal stylings, also features a musical side of war not found in previous albums. Nowhere. Is and this is more apparent than the "Surf of Sin," which is a song I picked. Um, the song is the biggest change in Gore's musical style from the usual punk and metal to metal-fused surf. That is until 1997, which we're going to get into next week. Uh, the keyboard is used heavily on this album as well, courtesy of as well, courtesy of Dave Musil. In particular, Meat Sandwich features powerful. Uh, I'm going to let you say that
1: for Zondo. We'll go with that. Yeah.
0: Um, and if you haven't heard us talk about meat sandwich, then you are, you obviously aren't OG listeners. We've been Brain. talking about meat sandwich as long as I've known Kevin. Um, yep. Ragnarok songs are not performed in concert as frequently as songs from other albums with chorus change of musical style towards heavy metal, as opposed to punk metal or this surf metal found only on this album. And with the, absence of all but one of the album's vocalist beefcake the number of usable songs from this album is limited usually just to crush kill destroy although meat sandwich has been a staple especially on their 2006 beyond hell tour yeah. that was probably the most wordy because i felt like i wanted to give ragnarok a proper little little ditty before we got out
1: yeah yeah and i like i said earlier this is probably the album i spent the most time with when i was growing up because i love ragnarok the song i love meat sandwich i love a lot of the songs on this album to be perfectly honest so um i remember playing uh, ragnarok in the computer lab in eighth grade and everybody's like what the fuck are you listening to like don't fucking worry about it <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the slaughter what are you going to do
0: <laughs> kevin the eighth grade bad boy <laughs> uh so my my song is surf of sin like i mentioned from uh Mm -hmm. ragnarok uh and this is just groovy as fuck i think calling it surf metal is both appropriate and weirdly differential because there's nothing else really surf metal there's (laughs) yeah find another surf metal song and uh we'll talk another it's possible i don't think it's possible It's another genre change that I fucking love. And I don't know what Cardinal Sin is all about, but this song makes me a fan of them. Uh, The guitars are top tier. Um, They really, they're the most standout besides like a little bass moment that we get like halfway through the song. I think around the two minute mark when the song kind of like just transitions into being instrumental. Um, But the guitars, the tuning, I, I don't know what that tune is, but oh my God, I want it. I want it injected into my veins. And kind of with everything Gore, especially from my picks, the lyrics are kind of secondary. Um, so I didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew that I had my spiritual guide to help me.
1: Yeah, so I'll kind of explain the whole concept of the album Ragnarok. It's basically the attack of Cardinal Sin on the planet Earth. So people of Earth saw a comet coming to Earth. Everybody freaked out. It ended up just being Cardinal Sin to come destroy Guar. And now Cardinal Sin is a giant baby eating robot who lives on, what the fuck is it? Uh, it's like spermoglobin or something like that. I don't remember. It's some, it's some sort of fucking sex joke that he runs off of. He basically eats babies to stay alive. Um, cardinal Sin is a play on, he looks like a cardinal from the Catholic Church. Um and he is a prophet of uh, a Nazi pope, <laughs> so that hates Guar. So that's the story of Cardinal Sin. Ragnarok is the story of the battle with Cardinal Sin, and uh, this is kind of Cardinal Sin leading his his army to mobilize to take to go and kill Guar. So um, that's the story behind Cardinal Sin. <laughs> uh, they came to kill uh odoruses and Slymenstrua Hyman's child the they, they end up doing that and they end up fighting him I don't know Cardinal Sin has been a, a villain from Guar from very early days but this is like the first like big story of Cardinal Sin so anyway <laughs> there's a lot of fucking lore to this band all right yeah there's a whole there's a whole comic book series so um but yeah it's I like the fact that you picked a couple of songs with their main villains. Really, three of your five songs are villain songs. So, you had Techno, you had Gorgor, and you had uh, Cardinal Sin, which are like their three big main bad guys that they fight throughout their careers. Um, so, I thought that was cool. I don't know if that was intentional by you or not, but.
0: Uh, no, I had no idea I did that.
1: Well, it's good because it allowed us to kind of explain the lore of this fucking weird ass band. Um, but yeah, again, this, this again, it's a genre we'll never hear again. It's it's so strange, like the like the harmonics while Cardinal Sin is talking, the dee 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 dee, dee, dee. and then uh, they go into like the the classic at some point in the song, and it's just like, what the fuck am I listening to? I'm listening to a baby eating robot from space like mobilizes troops on top of a. 1950s surf track what the fuck is that <laughs> <It's> beautiful <laughs> um it's just it's awesome man it's it's the guar are not constrained by genre and it's a beautiful disaster that's that's the best way i can describe this song and this band really um i don't know man it's fucking awesome i love this this song i love this album so um yeah so we'll, we'll move on to my pick the last pick of this week uh fire in the loins which is the last track on this album um and i picked it for multiple reasons one because i couldn't pick ragnarok or meat sandwich because i beat them to death in uh songs of the show but also because it's the first vocal appearance of Hyman, uh, which again i think is a really funny like hyper feminist character but is also like hyper violent um, I think when, I forget who the name of the woman who plays Slymenstra, but when she was explaining it, um, she's like, how can I have a woman in this band? She's like, well, I'm just going to make her bleed period blood all over the, the audience and just be all about like dominating men and stuff like that. So it's a super like neo-feminist like take on feminism. And I think it's really fucking cool. Um, plus Slymenstra Hyman is a fucking awesome name. And her costume is awesome. So, anyway, um, I had to get a song with Slim Menstra on there. Um, it's, it's she's a huge part of GWAR lore. She's she was part of the band forever. It was one of the original, me- one of the mo- more original members, um, and it's it's a, it's a track about the classic war of men versus women and how they're different but it's also a largely just Slimenstra calling odorous out on his shit and his toxic masculinity which i think is super funny because like it's odorous just kind of gives in at some point and he's like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny like he's, he's built up five albums of him being like this uh intergalactic conqueror and he's here to destroy earth but all it takes is one woman to call him on his shit and he's like oh no cut him down to (laughs) his knees (laughs) yeah um and i think it's really funny just listening there back and forth and i love uh my favorite lyrics from this song or uh when it gets to like the peak of the argument this is kind of what i was just talking about odorous is like I can have any woman that I want, and then Slymenstra Sly comes back with the fact that you rate them is nothing to flaunt, and he's like, oh, well, uh, you got me there. <laughs> but wait a minute, <laughs> but what of my sword? But what of the comet and the roaring hordes? And then she's like, I'm getting bored, and so it's it's classic like man getting uh emasculated. Then he's like, wait. I've got this big ass truck outside. What about that? That's fucking manly. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, yeah I like, don't care. You're fucking. She's like, your truck doesn't fucking impress me, dude. And it's just, it's so funny to hear like Odorous be like, just so humbled by it when it's like holding up a mirror to him, it's like, look how fucking stupid you look right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Um, I don't know. I just love this track. I just love the back and forth. It's just really, really funny and an interesting way to close an album like this. So. And
0: our playlist, I thought it was a great way to, yeah. to end the playlist. It's it's a great duet. Uh, and odorous sings like Jack Black in the song, and yeah. I think it's just kind of like the goofy, uh, gregarious guy, um, kind of being cut down to his knees is always funny. And Sly Menstru really adds like a really cool feel to the song. She sounds like a powerful, iconic punk female singer, like Joan Jett or uh, uh, Gwen Stefani, no doubt, it just like it felt like a punk stage play and you can't tell me this hasn't been a conversation that's happened at every punk concert or every rock concert that's ever existed a guy trying to impress a girl and her just not being that into it and it yeah it humbles the shit out of him to someone yep. that probably really needed it
1: yeah 100% I mean odorous is the most uh toxic masculine in the person in the in the universe yeah <laughs> so uh
0: yeah what a great playlist man
1: yeah i agree i can't wait to do we've got uh what still 10 more albums to do (laughs) yeah yeah and i think
0: next week is going to have less albums but covering more years because uh there are some bigger gaps so i'm excited to to continue
1: yeah me too um i i love and i'm so happy we're doing this
0: me too um you want to get into songs of the show
1: let's do it um
0: so Louis submitted a song of the show. He didn't want to submit a war song, I guess, and he wanted to do a song of the show. Uh, William Howard Taft by the Two Man Gentleman Building or the Gentleman Building, the Two Man Gentleman Band. Yeah, they did that on purpose. Made it really hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's it's a timeless song. It sounds like a little like uh, a 1920s swing song, or I don't know, like oh, it's timeless. It reminds it's me awesome. of uh, the the postmodern jukebox where they just like put a modern or they put like a an old 1940s song to
1: like a new to the lyrics of like a newer song so yeah i thought it was really fun i mean who doesn't love a song about our fattest president song this way it's just really funny i've had this song stuck in my head all week william howard taft it's just so fucking good Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's. I don't know. I love this song, and I, like I said, I've I've shown it to multiple people since Louie posted it. Um, yeah, it's great. Fucking awesome.
0: Yep. Uh, you want to get into the Sammy's song of the show?
1: Yeah. So Sammy um, submit "Weeping Wind- Widow" by April Wine. This is. She submit and she submitted an oh yeah she submitted an April Wine track for the Eddie Munson playlist. Um. And she's going, I think she's actually going to see them today on our day of recording. So it's a Canadian band that she really loves from the 70s. Um, And I really liked it too. It's kind of, I love bands like this from the 70s, like UFO and April Wine, where you can kind of see like the the switch from classic 60s rock to more of like a heavier rock, almost metal, like proto metal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just really, really like this. It's not, I mean, it's not like Black Sabbath metal, but you can definitely see the beginnings of a tor- turn towards a heavier more tuned down uh crunchier deeper feel to rock and i think it's really cool to, to kind of discover and kind of break down bands like this because it's a lot of fun i mean rainbow too you already mentioned them in this episode they're they're one of those bands that kind of started this whole trend it's like who really is the grandfather of metal it could be any number one of the of these bands i think black sabbath is just the most well respected of the, of them all so. for sure
0: yeah that's cool that she's getting to see' them. i i uh I had never heard of April wine until she started posting about him so i'm i'm yeah. excited to to dive in a little bit more maybe I'll just make a playlist of of April wine and rainbow and just put them all together and hit shuffle
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah so you're left you you haven't gone oh shit you're right I haven't <laughs> sorry so I submit uh bloody tears from castlevania Two simon's quest by family jewels so i think about this song a lot it's my favorite video game song of all time and because it's fucking awesome like hearing it while you're playing castlevania 2 is just so fucking creepy it's such a mood setting play like song and now that we're getting into spooky season uh it's time to start listening to spooky music and i think this is maybe one of the best spooky songs ever written um Bloody Tears is fucking awesome. Even the eight-bit version still kicks ass. But to find a metal cover of it, fucking blew my dick off, dude. Yeah. I've listened to this song a million times this week. It's so fucking. Uh, cool. It's really great. It's perfect, like Halloween party song or whatever. Getting amped up to go to a Halloween party, maybe. Um, yeah, Bloody Tears, fucking great. Family Jewels is great. They do a lot of mi- video game metal covers, which I love. So hell yeah.
0: Yeah i I'd never heard, heard anything like it. I was really excited about it. Yeah. my song of the show is Asai by Standards. Uh, mm-hmm. Standards is like another one of those uh, instrumental bands, kind of like Strawberry Girls, except uh, I don't know, man. They just everything's fruit flavored and it's very colorful and it's just a little bit more lighter than Strawberry Girls. And mm-hmm. this album came out, and this is the album closer, and it's just like I love it so much, front to back. This is a this is a front to backer album, and if you're looking for instrumental music and Something a little bit like summary to like end summer, it's
1: perfect. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, I agree. I listened to it, and I was like, Yeah, this is dope. I love instrumental music, so um, I've been really into Polyphia recently, as you know, and then Family Jewels, which is all in- mostly instrumental. So, uh, hearing another great instrumental band and Strawberry Girls has been releasing a lot of shit recently. Same with um, oh, my god, what's his name, Ben Rosett. Yes. Ben Rosett Ben Rosett Ro- R- yes, yeah. has been releasing a lot of stuff solo as well. So, um, and I've been listening to nuclear power trio again as well. So I'm really into instrumental music right now. It's just kind of what I, it's what I listen to most when I'm getting back into podcast mode, because oh, yeah. it's just I like, I could put it on. I don't have to think about it other than just like this fucking kicks ass. Mm-hmm. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's it's an exciting time and I think it's because we didn't get to do instrumental this year, uh, instrumental mm-hmm. April, so we might have to do a little instrumental playlist to to get us through to next year.
1: Maybe even though we, we this is the farthest we've ever been planned out. I think we have the next 2 months planned out, so um pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, we're probably going to blow those plans up cuz we're going to want to do other stuff.
1: But Probably. Um, I mean the spooky playlist will remain for sure. For we sure. have to do the spooky playlist. And yep. Bloody Tears might come back for that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Maybe the original 8-bit version of it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's it. That's Scumdog September week one, the early years. Uh, we're really excited to kind of just keep sorting through. If you guys have any um, songs that you want us to discuss, if you're kind of scared that we're going to miss something from an album that you really love from Gore, let us know. Uh, we're going to be posting this to some Reddit threads and stuff so um, if you're here because we're talking about gore first of all welcome and uh, if you want to submit a song on the show if you want to get on our discord uh, all those links will be in our bio
1: yep in our link tree yep uh,
0: we have an instagram at off the beaten cliff and our twitter is at off cliff that's going to be the best place to uh, stay in touch if you are interested in our future metal tea and all the stuff we have coming out so uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up
1: Oh yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, we got some, maybe some Patreon stuff coming, maybe some, some actual physical merch coming. So, it's it's an exciting time. You know, we've been doing it. We're coming up on our hundredth uh, episode, so it's time to really start uh, getting the wheels turning on this thing. Fuck yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, what better time than right after a break? So.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So.
0: So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week.
1: Bye.